right. Hey, can we put our hands together one more time just to honor Jesus? Come on, he's so good. Well, I want to welcome everybody watching online as well. If you don't know, if you miss a week, it's all online. It's on the church app. I encourage you to download the church app. All the great resources are there for you, especially today. Maybe you want to take some notes. Look, inside of your worship guide is a note sheet. Uh, that you can take notes, or if you're a digital note taker, that's on the app. You can take those notes digitally. They'll be there for you as well, all right? Are y'all ready for today? Y'all with me? You sure? Okay, okay, maybe. Okay, we'll get there together. It's all right. Well, hey, we've been in this series called Family Circus, and all month long we've been talking about uh, the circus that is our families. How many of you got some clowns in your family? Some of you got the, the bearded lady. Don't raise your hand on that one, everybody. But we all got some characters in our families. And, you know, family is important to God. We're going to talk about that today, the importance of our family and what God wants to do through our family. And all month we've been trying to just learn how to navigate some of the cultural uh, attacks that's going on in our family. In week one, we talked about the ringmaster of this circus, putting God back at the center of where he belongs, the center of this circus. For many of us, we try to do things on our own, try to fix this and navigate it, but the reality is we can do whatever we want to do, but until God gets in the middle of it, it's never going to be the way God wanted it to be. Uh, in week two, we talked about walking the tightrope, just navigating this tricky uh, relationship dynamic that we have in our lives. Uh, last week, uh, we talked about the clowns. We talked about culture and, uh, and the attack on our kids and our families and really how to navigate that. Uh, but all of this series comes from one thought. It's on your outline at the top, Psalm 127. And verse 1, and here's what it says. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. When it comes to our families, regardless if that's trying to navigate a single life, if it's trying to navigate marriage life, recently divorced, widowed, maybe you're struggling in the dynamic of being a parent, a grandparent, you're raising kids, it, it's, it's complicated. Our workplaces, there's lots of dynamics when it comes to our relationships. And we can try really hard and we can do so many things and still get it wrong and still fail. But the reality is until God gets in the middle of it and unless he's the one instructing us, unless he's leading it, unless we're doing it his way, we are going to labor in vain every single time. So today I titled your message The Big Top. And I want to talk about this overarching view of the family and why we have family. Why did God give this gift to us? Some people say, why did God give us this curse? The greatest blessing and the greatest curse was what? Relationship. It was family. It's one of the most difficult things God has given to any of us. But there's so much joy and blessing in it at the same time. But I'm just telling you today that I believe when it comes to our families, we have to understand why God gave it to us how the enemy is trying to use it, and then what our response should be. And I just want to warn you today because, you know, when we talk about things that are happening and what God wants us to do, it's very countercultural. It does not sound or look like the world. But what we have to do is say, I'm not concerned about what the world says or what the world does. I'm concerned with going, what does the Bible say and what does God want from me? Because we can look at, just look at entertainment history of a representations of our families. Some of you remember um, the Waltons, Little House on the Prairie. Come on, some of you like that kind of stuff. And then we get the Brady Bunch. We, we have, you know, the Brady Bunch. Then some of you remember Married with Children. You, you remember Mr. Bundy? That's another depiction of the family. We had Full House. That was a depiction of a family. We have Modern Family. We have depictions of what a family is supposed to be. 
And it seems like every day the definition of what a family is supposed to be and why we've been given this gift of the family, it all changes and rearranges as the days go by. So today, I just want to tell you, I believe that the Bible gives us truth. I believe that what the Bible tells us is the absolute. I believe that the way, the truth, the life in which to pattern everything we do is based on the Word of God. One day, everybody, you and I, individually, one-on-one, will stand before God. The Bible says we will have to give an account of our life. And the account of our life is not what I thought, it's not what I felt, it's what the Bible said, and did I conform to God's Word, fall in love with Jesus and have Him teach me and lead me, or did I do it within my own strength and my own way? And the only thing that is going to permit me into heaven with God, into a place that God has designed of perfection for us to be, is to live and stand on the truth. And if we don't know what the truth is, you and I cannot live it or stand on it or proclaim it in a culture that rewrites it as the seasons go by. So here's what I want you to do today. I want you just to say, God, whatever your word says, that's what we're going to be open to. That's what we're going to lean into, and that's what we're going to embrace. So today, I just want to warn you, it's another tough one, but we're going to tackle it together. We're going to learn and grow to become more like Jesus so our families look more like Jesus. Is that okay? You sure? All right. Let's go ahead and pray. I think we need to. Let's do it. Father, thank you for this day. I'm so grateful to be in your house. I'm so grateful to be at Cultivate Church. God, there's no place I would rather be with no other people that I would rather spend this day with. Thank you for every person at every campus. Thank you for every person online. My prayer today, God, is that we would learn from you, that we would become like you, and that we would be, uh, God, just experiencing your best by doing it your way. Obedience opens the door to blessing, and may our families be obedient to what you called us to do and how you called us to live. So teach us today. Make us like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the big top, we're going to talk about this overarching topic of the family. Today I want to talk to you about why we have the family, what the culture wants to do with family, how the enemy attacks it, and then what our role is to combat it. Under the big top, there's three different groups of people. There's three different things that you'll observe in this family circus. And I want to talk about the first, which is foundational. Write this down. I want to talk about the circus structure. The circus structure, the structure in which the circus is held. Back in the day, they learned really early on that they could make a lot more money and they could provide a lot more shows if they traveled with a tent rather than relying on buildings that was big enough to hold the spectacle of the circus. Uh, oddities, people that didn't fit somewhere, they all began to band together, realize, hey, we can put ourselves on display. We can take these talents and these little weird things that we can do, and we can make money doing this, and we can travel the world. So they start traveling, and they started setting up literal tents. You can remember seeing the pictures. I've never been to a circus under a tent. It's always been in a building. But in the day, they would put up these massive tents to hold the circus under. They would travel. They called it the Big Top because the Guinness World Record for the largest tent, which was held by Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey, was two miles wide. This tent covered two miles that they put this structure up to hold this massive circus. You see, the structure matters because the size of the structure, how strong the structure was, 
The way the structure was designed mattered because that determined how many people could attend, the show that could be put on, how high could they climb to swing from the rafters. All of these things mattered the structure in which the circus was held. You and I, for our families, the structure of our families, it matters. It matters because God designed it and created it, and we have to know why the family exists. Why did God give us this clear structure of what a family is supposed to be? Well, let me show it to you. Genesis chapter 1, we're going to go back to the beginning, and notice what the Bible says. God created human beings in His, underline this statement, own image. Every one of us are created in the likeness and the image of God. In the image of God, he created them. Just to be clear, in case we didn't get it, in case we're still confused. He'll say it one more time, all right? And God created them. There's some confusion around this, but let's bring some clarity. He created them male and female. Now, I'm not writing this. This is not my opinion. This is God's word. It either is truth or it's not. God created us in his image, male and female. He created them. And then verse 28, notice what he does. God blessed them. When God created them in the perfect form of creation, as he wanted them to be, as he designed it to be, they received his blessing. And then he told them, be fruitful and multiply. Y'all know what that means? Okay, PG, all right. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Underline that statement, to govern it. In other words, it means God gave us responsibility. God told us, here's the family. I want you to fill this earth, and I need you to take care of it. You're responsible for it, family. The family dynamic, I need you to monitor what I have created. Notice verse 24. This explains, here's the big picture. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Some of you are married and you woke up on certain days and you thought, why did I do this? How did I get into this, right? Well, this is the reason. God created man and woman and then he said to them, now your role is to fill the earth, populate it, and then govern it, rule over it. This is the whole sole purpose that I have given you a family. Now, what does that mean? God, why did you want us to do that? Why does that Why is that our role as a family? Because the family that you have, the family that you are, the responsibility and the role and the objective is that our family reflects the family of God. Your family should be a complete mirror image of the family of God. God said we created man and woman in our image. You have God the Father, you have God the Son, and you have God the Holy Spirit. All three In one, different functions. So you've got God who sent who into the world? Okay, Jesus. Okay, I'm I'm just... Okay. Okay, all right. So God sent Jesus into the world. Jesus lived and then what? Okay, all right, we're tracking. Okay, lived and died, brought us back into relationship with God, right? Jesus returns to heaven and Jesus leaves us who? The Holy Spirit. All right, we are rocking now. Cook him with grease, as they say, all right? So, you have God the Father gives us God the Son. God the Son leaves us the Holy Spirit. The family and the picture of God all functioning together as the family. 
God created Adam, and I'm sorry, fellas, what did God say? Mm, something's not right. Something's still missing. Think about that, guys. God created the whole world, all these crazy animals, the beauty of everything. There's man sitting there, and God's not satisfied. So out of man, what does God bring? Woman. Out of the man, from his rib, woman is created. And then what does God say to them? Be fruitful and multiply. So out of the woman comes what? Children. The picture of the family of God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, comes man, comes woman, and comes children. And God says you take your family and you replicate that across the world so that my image and my likeness would be seen all over the globe. It's the picture of the family. It's the reason God gave us a family. It's not some sporadic happenstance of something that just is or we created. No, it's the design of God. What did Jesus tell us to do? The last instruction he gave us. He said, go and do what? Make disciples. What does that mean? It means you take my image and my likeness and you spread it across the world in my likeness. The goal of God was that he would be seen across this earth and across this world. And it just so happens that God chose to do it through our families. Now I want to ask you this question today. If you were to mirror yourself right now against the family of God, I just want to ask you what kind of, what kind of report would you get on your household? How well is my household reflecting God? Ladies, you like to take those mirror selfies, you know? I don't, you know, you, know, you kind of get that. You know, you get those little mirror selfies. But this is what gets me, ladies, when you do this. Hashtag dirty mirror. I should clean the mirror. I don't know why you don't clean the mirror first, you know? I, I think it's just easier to do the hashtag dirty mirror and just forget about the mirror. If I were to say, probably for most of us, if we took a little family selfie today in the mirror reflection of God, most of us would probably have to say, hashtag dirty mirror. We got some areas that we need to grow. But I need us to understand today that this is the foundation of the family. This is the structure of this big top, this, this crazy circus that we're navigating in relationship. Our responsibility is to reflect the nature and the family of God. Number two, there's some other folks that you're going to find under the big top. And these are circus spectators. Circus spectators. You know, there's a difference between a participator and a spectator. Does everybody know that? Many of you sports fans, you're a bunch of spectators. You don't do nothing, okay? You get worked up, you sweat, you yell, you jump, and you gripe and complain, and you fix it all when it goes wrong, but you're not doing anything. You're still spectating. Some of you jump in celebration and shout when you win something. You didn't do anything. You didn't contribute to any of those points on the screen. You're just a spectator. Look, some of us can sit in an atmosphere like that. You could take me to a game and I may look like I'm a participator in the crowd, but I'm nothing more than a spectator because I do not care what's going on. Somebody tagged me on Facebook. Girl wore a shirt the other day, I think it was the Super Bowl, and said, I just hope both teams have fun. I'm like, there we go. I need that shirt. See, there's a difference between a spectator and a participator. And here's what I want to tell us today. Culture is doing a lot of spectating. Culture's critiquing a lot of things that's happening under the big top, and they're going, I know, this is not. Why are we doing this? Why is it that way? Why is it not this way? But that's nothing new. Let me show you Matthew chapter 19. Some really uh, you know, important, smart, educated, theological people come to Jesus. It says some Pharisees came, and they tried to do what? Underline the word, trap him. 
tried to trap Jesus. They came at him with an agenda. And they trapped him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Why are they asking that question? Because they knew the importance of the foundation of the family. The way God created this thing to be. So, hey, Jesus. Hey, can a man just divorce his wife for any reason? And then step back. You know how you get the popcorn? Just going just to watch it. How's he going to navigate this question? What's he going to say about this? Is he going to offend somebody? Is he going to hurt some feelings? Is he going to go against something that's supposed to be truth? But I just love the way Jesus rolls. Look at this. Verse 4. Jesus just said, you ever read the Bible? You ever read the scriptures? You know what he's saying? I don't have an opinion. It doesn't matter what I think. Yeah, I'm the son of God, but he's God the Father. And he's the authority. I don't get an opinion. So let's just see what the Bible says about it. Jesus says, well, they record that from the beginning, underline that statement, because that's important. Jesus just said, well, let's just go back. What's the Bible say? Well, it says from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother, is joined his wife, and the two are united, what, into one. Since there are no longer two but one, look at this, let no one split apart what God has joined together. It has been the enemy's dream from the beginning of the foundation of the family to end the family that God created. If you go back to Genesis 3, what did he say to, what did he say to Adam and Eve? Did God really say? Not, did God really say that? Is that really what God meant? Because, you know, he loves you so much, he wants you to have any fruit you would want to have. God wouldn't tell you no. God wouldn't make you live to a standard of truth and, and something that's absolute. God wouldn't do that. So surely you could have any fruit you want to have. Surely God doesn't have more wisdom than you have. Surely he doesn't think he has a right to know more than you know. Did God really say that? And everybody in our culture today, it's not my opinion. It's not what I think. It's not what I feel. I have to go, well, what did the Bible say? Have we read the scriptures? Well, from the beginning, God said this. And it's either absolute or it's not. Did God say it? Yes, God did say it. But culture wants to change it. Now, I know it's difficult, and I know it's, but it's, but it's just out of love, and it's out of truth, and it's all of us are trying to be more like Jesus every day together. But listen to me. You can't read the Bible anywhere. You can't bring it to me that there's a picture of same-sex marriage in the Bible. It's not present. It's not there. It's not represented anywhere. And if someone would say, well, but, but, but Jesus never said anything against it or never spoke about it or Jesus never condemned it, Jesus didn't have to. Jesus just said, did you, did you read the Scripture? This is what God said. It, it was never even considered to be something that was even considerable. Because that's not the way God designed it. It's not what God said. Jesus said, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what, what is or what isn't. I just know what the Bible says. Divorce. Look, the Bible is very clear. He hates divorce. Now, all of us are in different places. We've been through different things. And thank God for the grace of God. But listen, the point here is, is when we do it God's way, we can miss all that. We don't have to walk in that. We don't have to experience that. Because we just have to do it God's way. It's, it's changing our culture. We have absentee fathers. we got men who are 
having kids, but they're not fathers. And they're abandoning their kids. We have prison systems that are full of men and women that would say, we never had a father. The statistics of those who have been in trouble in their life that just all point back to say, we just never had a father. It's tearing our families apart. We have ladies that say, I don't need a man. Well, yes, you do. Because God said, I made them male and I made them female and I joined them together. And then I told them to go and be fruitful and multiply. It was the family. We have cohabitation today. Everybody's living together. Come on, I get it. And I know all the reasons, but listen to me. Everybody said, well, the, well, the divorce rates are so much lower than they've ever been in, in the history of the world. That's because nobody's getting married anymore. They're just living together. They're just sharing bills. Let me just tell you something. If we're just... And, I, and I, I understand. I understand the flow of culture and I understand the whys and the why not. But listen to me. If we're going to do it God's way, God's a God of commitment. God don't just, God don't just come in and, and hang out for a while and then decide, well, we're not really married, so we can just do something else. No, God's in it for the long haul. God formed the family. There, there's a commitment there. Ladies, don't, don't, let a man, don't even let a man put you in that position. If that man loves you and is committed to you, Beyonce said it. You better put a ring on it. Make him put a ring on it, Okay? Because it matters. So you think I'm being silly, but let, let me tell you. We like to paint God in this, God's love and love is love. And we got all these trendy things we say. And all that's great. But God is loving and he is gracious. And he's full of mercy. And he is. There's not one thing in this room or watching online that would eliminate you from the grace, love, acceptance, and relationship with Jesus. As a matter of fact, you can prepare your heart today. We're going to pray that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can. But just as God is all of those things, He is also just, He is also righteous, and He is also truth. And you cannot combat those two things together. They must align. His love must be met with justice and truth. And His grace must be met with a standard of right and wrong in which God gave us. Some of you still don't believe me. Well, I'm going to show you. Look on the screen. Matthew, Malachi chapter 4. The context of this is a time where the world is wicked. And it's kind of like, you remember being a kid and somebody said, we got to get this cleaned up before your mom and dad gets home? If we don't get this fixed before mom and dad gets here, we're all dead? Well, Jesus, you know, we're, we're getting this picture of God's like, hey, I'm, I'm on my way. And uh, if, if you don't fix this before I get there, it's going to be bad. And so I'm going to send you somebody to help you clean this up. Look at this. Look, I'm sending you a prophet, Elijah, before the great and dreadful day that the Lord arrives. God has justice and demands that we live according to obedience. If not, he says, his preaching will turn the hearts of, notice this, fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. What's he working on? Get your families together. Get your family in order. Align the family. Because if not, otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. In other words, God's saying, hey, look, I'm coming back. And he is coming back. We're waiting on him right now. And unless we get our families in order, culture is going to rewrite, it's going to reposition, it's going to erase everything God had set forth. And when God shows up, we are going to experience what it means to be disobedient children. But God is giving us today. Don't get mad at me, okay? This isn't easy, but it's just the truth. And as much as I'm asking us to submit to this, I'm submitting to this. But I believe that God's coming back. And I believe that we must be in 
order. Don't let the spectators of this culture rob you from the perfect experience of God's design. Which brings us to number three. What do we do about this? Well, there are circus stars, acrobats, clowns, daredevils. Come on, all the people that we like. You ever wanted to be a star? Well, you are a star. Because this whole thing, everybody's about us. It's about our families. What do we do in the midst of all of this? Look at what happened with a a guy named Noah. Many of you probably don't know this story, a little known story in the Bible. It's called Noah and the Ark. And um, there's a great flood that's coming. God's going to wipe out the earth because of its sin. And uh, this guy named Noah builds a boat, puts all these animals in it, and they float for a while, and God redoes earth through it. You guys should read it. It's good. But God's calling Noah, and I want you to to see what happens here. Verse 13, God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures. You notice that God's bringing judgment again here? You can't, but but a loving God, but but he's also a righteous God. There's, There's judgment when we don't live as obedient people. So he says this, I've decided to destroy everything, for they fill the earth with violence. Yeah, I'm going to wipe them out along with the whole earth. But, look at this, I will confirm my covenant with you. Why? Because you've been obedient. So enter the boat. Who's he taking with him? What's the instructions? Noah, you, your wife, your sons, and their wives. Bring the family. i got to reboot this thing, Noah, and I'm going to do it with the very thing that I created the foundation of the world with, the family. If I'm going to reboot this again, I need the family. Noah, you and your family get on the boat. And then notice this. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, male and female. Why? Because that's the way the world works. Why? Because that's the way God created it. We have confusion. But that doesn't mean that that's not God's way. It means I've got to subject myself to the truth of God and allow God to help me. Why is he bringing male and female? Because he needed to repopulate the earth. Bring the animals. And I love that he has to say this. Hey, Noah, keep them on the boat with you. And by the way, keep them alive during the flood. God's so specific. Don't just put the animals on there, Noah. Keep them alive. We're going to need them after the flood. What do we do with this? If God's using us, the family, if we carry the responsibility right now for such a time as this, for our families, what do we do? Well, men, let me talk to you first. You are the responsible party. You're the head. You're the leader. You're the one that God is looking to first. Why? Because you were created that way. Because God created Adam to tend and to lead and to represent God the Father. He put you here with a responsibility. And we must step up to that. Look at it. He he said to Noah, Hey, Noah, I'm using you and your family. Why did he pick Noah? Because the Bible says Noah was righteous, he was blameless, and he was close to God. Men, we have to be righteous, we have to be blameless, and we have to be close to God. Does that mean perfect? Absolutely not. But it means I can admit when I'm wrong. It means I can say I sinned and I need forgiveness. It means I can say I'm not there yet, but I need some people to help me get to where God wants me to be so I can lead my family the way God wants to lead. Look, men, we're responsible. He picked Noah. You take your family and you lead them. You build the boat. You fill the boat. You keep them alive. Noah, you're the leader. When Adam and Eve sinned, they ate that apple and they found out they were naked. 
Come on, they had body dysmorphia back in the garden. They were already, some of us think it's just a modern day thing. Nope, Adam and Eve said, oh God, we're naked. (laughs) This is not what I wanted. Thought I'd be taller. You know what I'm saying? We all have these things. (laughs) And while they're hiding, what did God say? Hey, Adam, where are you? He didn't say Adam, Eve. He said, Adam. Where are you at? Now let's just be real. They both ate the fruit, but Eve did kind of lead the way, right? But he didn't call Eve, did he? He called Adam. Why? Because Adam's responsible. Because he's the leader. He should have known better. He should have stepped up. He should have said, no, not in my house. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Woman, no, don't say that. Just kidding. (laughs) That's a little too far, but you know what I'm saying. You remember the story of Abraham, Father Abraham? He had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. Let's all praise the Lord. <laughs> See, some of you think I made that up. That's a kid thing. Some of you raised in kids' church. But notice what happened with, with Abraham. It's on the screen, Genesis 18, 19. The Bible says, I've singled him out so that he, who's he? Abraham. Who's singled out? Abraham. I singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families. To do what? To keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised him. God said, hey man, I picked you out. You're going to lead your families. And you're going to do what's right. And when you walk in obedience, then you will receive every promise that I have given to you. When our families are falling apart in culture in the face of every good bit of advice culture is giving us about being and living and doing and expressing and all these little buzzwords that we've got, all of that sounds so great, but we're more dysfunctional than we have ever been. Our anxiety rates, our depression rates, our suicide rates, our drug abuse rates, every facet of our lives are worse. Why? Because we didn't do it God's way rightly and justly. Therefore, we're not getting the blessing of God on the families of our culture. But God set us apart men to lead. Ladies, the Bible says Eve was made as a helpmate. Now, when you say that word, it automatically, that little term... Kind of makes you feel less than. Oh, I'm just the helpmate. I'm just the lady over here. But that's not what God, that's not at all. God created everything and created the man, the leader. But it wasn't complete. God wasn't satisfied until out of Adam, woman was created from the man to becoming one and united, equal yet different. Different flows and different functions. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're all equal. They're all God, but they have a different function and they have a different flow. Ladies, God created you with a function and a flow that is different from the man, but yet the man can't do what the man's supposed to do without Eve right there by his side. It's a partnership. It's walking together. It's trusting each other. It's leaning on each other. It's mutual respect of each other. It's together, unified, leaning into who God is to say, God, what do you want to do with me? Ladies, many of you are familiar with Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31, woman. 
you're not, it's a great chapter for ladies. But here's what it says. It's on the screen for you. It says, her children stand and bless her. Why? Because she's a leader in her home. Because she pours her life into her family. Her husband praises her. Hey, culture, listen, culture tells us now that, that, that women who feel like they are in partnership with a man and, and the man's the lead and you do it God's way, that you're less than, that you're belittled. No, the Bible says that husbands, that we praise her, that we acknowledge her for who she is and her giftings and the blessing that she is. As a matter of fact, it says there are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Husbands, write that one down. Use that sometime. It's a partnership. It's God's design. And then kids, the Bible tells us we're to honor our father and mother. And God will give us long life. There's this process that's continual, generational, from the family. And doing it God's way opens the door to blessing. So my heart for us today is this, everybody. It's to stop taking our families as just something we stumbled into, something we were randomly born into, and we don't even know why we have it or why we do it. We just think it's a cultural thing, and we're just supposed to grow up and fall in love and have this. No. Mm -mm. It's spiritual. It's deep. It's representing the family of God. And as culture works hard, here's my challenge. Don't do it because I told you. Don't do it just because you heard some church. No, no, no. It's to find out what God's Word says about it and do what God's Word says. The Bible says you can test God. Test Him in it. Just see about it. Just do it God's way and watch what happens in your life. God is calling us, families, to build a boat, to put our families in it, and to replicate God and His character across this world and in this culture. And so today, that's what I want to pray for. I want to pray over our families, and I want to pray that we can submit ourselves to doing it God's way. Will you bow your head with me? Just close your eyes. Uh, if you're our guest today, nothing funny or weird is going to happen. Nobody's coming to get you, make you stand. If you're watching online, I would love for this just to be a moment that maybe if you can eliminate distraction that's around you. I want to pray for us today. Two things. First, I want to start here. Look, if you don't know Jesus, I told you earlier, we're going to give you a chance to say yes to Jesus. It's the most life-changing thing you can ever do. Doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. Doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out. Look, it just means you have to say, I recognize I don't, I can't do it. I've messed it up. And I need Jesus in my life. And I want to pray for you that you could do that. And then look, all of our families, let me just take the pressure off of our shoulders. None of us have a perfect family. None of us. It's not easy. And all of us have some area today that we probably feel a little conviction in in our family where we feel the Holy Spirit say, all right, let's just tweak this here. Let's grow here. And so wherever you are today, in the condition of your family, just be aware, the enemy's coming. He's after you. God's greater. God's bigger. He's got a blueprint. He's got a way. We just have to submit to it. And so I want to pray for you, and you go before the Lord today, and whatever you need God to do in your family, just take it to him. So Father, today, right now, for any of us without a relationship with you, we just ask you forgive us of our sin. We realize we've failed, we've missed it, we've fallen short. And Jesus, we need you today. Thank you for forgiveness and thank you for relationship. Today, I will leave with my
my life submitted to you to learn to live for you, to follow you, and to serve you. And God, I pray for our families. I pray for husbands and wives. I pray for those who recently divorced. I pray for those rocky marriages. I pray for those parents and grandparents, adoptive parents. I pray for new parents. I pray for, God, those who are widowed, dealing with loss. God, you see all the dynamics of the family. But God, I pray that we would be able to submit ourselves to who you are and what you want to do. God, correct us, convict us, change us, but make us more like you. We're submitted to you, God. We want to represent you well, and we want to fill this earth with your image and your love so that people can experience joy in Jesus. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we honor the Lord together? Come on, he's good. Yeah.